I was going to ask you about the title of your doctorate, first of all, so we start talking about research. Um, so the I think the title of your doctorate, it may have changed since we had the last discussion, is The Ecology of Conflict, Lessons Learned in the Friction Wars. Is that still the title? Yes, yes it is. Yeah. Um, so I was interested to know uh, what you meant by the ecology of conflict specifically, um, and maybe ideas about kind of the local and the global, which I think you're dealing with a lot, isn't it? Um, it's one of the main topics. So could you say a bit about what that means, the ecology of conflict, in the light of what you're discussing? I think that one of the um, problems which uh, military strategy has found over the last um, 20 years, post-Cold War, is that we still, to some extent, view conflict through the prism of two Clausewitzian chessboard sides, white versus black, playing each other on a fixed field of battle. And by using the phrase the ecology of conflict, I'm trying to signpost to potential readers that the reasons and the motivations and the forces driving individuals and groups into some kind of conflict may be more disparate, may be more structural, maybe more environmental, maybe transmit and flow through broad networks in the same way that a climate might move or um, ecological and natural environments might move. Uh, so it's a shorthand way of trying to um, A, remind myself that I'm taking a more um, critical approach to how conflicts develop uh, and B, suggest a level of complexity to readers. Does that also suggest that um, you're trying to discuss conflicts in terms of it being more organic or maybe unpredictable as well, which doesn't fit models? Yeah, I think so. I hope so. Um, and that's a, those words that you use, sort of organic, particularly... Um, tries to, in some ways, um, take out some of the um, quite emotional and occasionally quite prejudicial um, attitudes that people might bring to um, thinking about conflicts, particularly those that they are involved in themselves. Uh, if we think about the natural world, we don't get particularly... Well, people might in terms of climate science, but we don't sort of um, think of um, a storm as being uh, hateful or uh, ideological um, and I would like people to think about uh, human conflict uh, as far as possible in a, in a more um, objective sense while at the same time retaining some level of empathy with the uh, participants and the victims. So obviously some of that comes out of your own experience of conflict. Um, what do you think your role is as an academic? Um, perhaps with that personal experience in mind are you doing something are you consciously doing something very different to what another academic who wouldn't have an experience of conflict would do as an undergraduate i studied arabic and farsi and one of my primary functions in the military was as a as an interpreter both linguistic and um 
cultural to some extent. And so I still see myself as a interpreter or a translator, and and that means um, taking some of the, I think, very valuable uh, methodological tools from anthropology, sociology, um, but translating uh, the language of academia into one which people in the military or the intelligence services um, might be able to understand and might be able to um, relate to and might be able to take something positive um, from. Um, so, though I don't... I mean, I, I do think potentially that my own military experience um, informs the way I work. As an academic, um, that the primary uh, advantage of that experience was the networks which I have access to and want to communicate to. Well, those kind of networks are military networks or people on the ground? What kind of networks? Both, I suppose. Um, though the people on the ground are people who I have primarily met outside the military context. Um, I suppose the people who I meet on the ground, I am meeting in a fieldwork academic capacity. Um, and so when I'm talking about networks, those networks would be more academic networks as an anthropologist but then what I hope I can bring to the uh, if not the discipline the uh, society in at large is being able to um, you know communicate some of the stories of those people on the ground to those uh, networks in the military and uh, intelligence services who I have access to as a consequence of my previous career. Mm. I know one of the things that you're intrigued by is the extent to which uh, writing, particularly poetry, because that's mm -hmm. you know, an interest of yours, um, has not represented conflict over the last, say, 20 years uh, fairly, would you say, or accurately, or in any way um, that seems to somehow represent actual, um, actual military experience or actual experience within conflict situations? Um many things I could, I suppose, say about this, but um, I, I suppose I should premise this by saying that, to some extent, my interest in poetry, or as I see poetry, it's a, um, it's a semi-sacred space, which is a, um, it can be an escape, um, can be an area of exploration and thinking and processing. Um, but, um, you know, it's also almost a place of play as well, where you can live out or think through um, uh, fantasies is probably the, the wrong word but sort of ways of thinking about the world which for one reason or another would be either unacceptable or would be um, inappropriate or might not be particularly utilitarian in a in, in one's daily life so um, for me in terms of talking about um, say the ethics of military intervention you know, I have to be very conscious about, you know, how I talk to people, say, in the military or in academia, because it's uh, a very serious topic and lives are at stake. Um, whereas poetry is somewhere where I think there should be space to really challenge and really um, uh, question the entire um, fabric of the sort of conceptual realm which leads to decisions around conflict, which leads to 
concerns around inequality or um, uh, suffering, which, which it would be um, where, where there needs to be a space for those kind of arguments or, or, or discussions to be had, and we don't really have them within a um, religious domain. So I see that as being something poetry could do. Uh, and that does um, mean that there is quite a important role, I think, which it has to play. And I do feel that really post, you know... I mean, I, I recognise that I have, 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 have maybe slightly, you know, odd views on this, but I think that, you know, 1990s, one Saatchi brother bought up the art market, the other Saatchi bought, brother, you know, created the forward prize, the whole sort of creative writing sort of workshop discipline kind of to some extent capitalised the whole process of writing and the whole sort of the prizes industry, the concerns people have very individualistic it seems to me quite self-indulgent um the idea of sort of ethical politically critical poetry is almost um non-existent it seems to me in the uk and the us um and so yeah i feel that apart from a few very lone voice and often quite sort of marginalized poets um poetry has um uh, become largely irrelevant to 99% of the population apart from a few sort of kind of avenues such as um, sort of the, 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 the very politically um, violent, challenging and interesting rap music that you get from East and West Coast America and to some extent urban um, London. But in terms of the Forward Prize, the Whitbread, the Costa, um, forget it. So when you talk about the lone voices, who do you mean in poetry? Who is doing the kind of stuff that you'd like to see? Because I um, have lost my eyesight, I'm quite dependent on the mainstream avenues of poetic discourse for how I understand the development of contemporary poetry. So that could be Radio 4, it could be the Poetry Review, for example. Um, uh, but... Uh, um, and, and I have um, been disappointed by the um, the output of, of, of contemporary poetry in those sorts of avenues. Um, um, but a, a few years ago, I listened to, for example, um, uh, some of the poetry by um, Keston Sutherland, um, who, in my view, is an extraordinary, um, powerful and... Um, ethically and politically engaged voice who um, collapses the uh, the brutal, the sensitive, the metropolitan consumer capitalism of, of London and New York with the visceral carnage of the imperial frontier um, in these extraordinary... Um, pions and commemorations of the um, contemporary reality of connectivity, media, but simultaneous dislocation. Um, I, I think he's uh, an, an extraordinary um, voice, but um, as I say, a lone voice, because at least within prizes and within the popular imagination of, of who successful poets are um, 
and it's people such as um, Simon Armitage, Andrew Motion, and Caroline Duffy, uh, who the public might understand as poets. Um, I, I think very few people would have even heard of someone like uh, Keston Sutherland.